0: You know, you hear people say you need to work on the business is that that's built into my day. It's baked into everything that I, my clients and anybody you'll encounter who's an authority, they've baked it into their business. And by that, I mean that you're writing, you're thinking, you're speaking, you're connecting with influencers in the sense of people who influence your ideal audience.
1: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their business after a long career as an employed professional. We believe you should be able to do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Kahn. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with Rochelle Moulton. Rochelle turns independent consultants into authorities, In today's episode, you will learn how to go from expertise to authority, along with big financial benefits. Stay with us to hear all the details. Are you building your consulting, coaching, or small business following a long career as an employed professional? Are you tired of trying to build your business alone? Come meet other consultants, coaches, and small business owners on Friday, August 26th at 12 noon Eastern time. We're having an open house so that you can experience a bit of what we do in the Smashing the Plateau community. You'll have an opportunity to think more critically about your work, meet colleagues who want to support your success, and learn how a curated community can empower you to make progress toward your goals. To register for the open house, go to smashingtheplateau.com slash open house. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash open house. At Smashing the Plateau, our mission is empowering high-achieving professionals to do what they love and get paid what they're worth as entrepreneurs. Now, let's welcome Rochelle Moulton. Rochelle turns independent consultants into authorities. The author of The Authority Code, How to Position, Monetize, and Sell Your Expertise, she has been called an emotional Red Bull for her balance and inspiration and practical advice. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thanks so much, David. I'm really excited for this. Me too. So how did you end up becoming somebody who is an expert in turning consultants into authorities? It's an interesting niche and not something that a lot of people do.
0: True. Well, I spent most of my career building consulting practices inside big consulting firms. And at one point, I even turned around the arm of a Fortune 500 company, the consulting arm that was failing miserably. So I've spent all of that time there. And one of the things that I learned in the course of particularly my longest stint, my 10 years with a big firm and partnership there, was the difference between people who were perceived as authorities and those who weren't. So it's been an interesting, I guess, 13 years now doing this. Wow.
1: Wow. So one of the things that you write about in the authority code is the difference between expertise and authority. And I wondered if you could explain what you see as the difference.
0: Yeah, so expertise to me is deep knowledge, like an expert commands deep knowledge, you know a lot and a lot about a particular area. Authority, here's the thing about authority. I used to think that authority was just about building your expertise publicly so that people would hire you or buy your stuff. But it's really about value creation. Because when you have authority, which I think of as the power to reach and influence and impact your market segment, you get to choose. You have a whole bunch of choices. You get to choose who you really care about and who you want to serve. You get to choose the revolution that you want to lead. You get to choose how you want to work so you can work in your genius zone, delivering your expertise the way that you want to, you get to really think about and balance growing revenue with also building time and flexibility so that you can create the life that you really want with this business. And then at the end of the day, you get to charge, if you want to, based on the value that you provide to your ideal clients and buyers. So when you have authority, you're always building value for your clients and for yourself.
1: Rochelle, aren't those various attributes that you just mentioned attributes that most experts want to have? Particularly, like I'm thinking about consultants that start their business after a long career as an employed professional, which is you know, a large part of our audience. And I think about those folks and they they've generally worked 20 to 30 years or more in some mid to high level role, then like not, not the entire career in a, in a high level role, but they, they've ended their employed career, usually in a mid to high level role. And they frequently leave the corporate or organizational world because they want more control over what they do and how they do it. And it strikes me that what you just described is all about control over what you do and how you do it.
0: It is, but it's also more because what you say is exactly right. Experts and authorities want those same things. The authority has built a system to bring it to them. That's really the difference because you can be an expert and have 20 people in the world know who you are and what you do. And you could create a really good business if you have the right kind of business model. But authority is about spreading it further And wider. And it's more about influence because you can be this expert. And I would argue you can't be an authority without being an expert first. Authority is just adding some things on top of being an expert. But especially for someone who's been mid-career, when you're going out on your own, any authority you've already built from your corporate life, like say doing speeches or appearing on podcasts or interviews, all of that can translate into this next thing that you're doing and help you get all of those things that you want. And yeah, control is is a big thing. I know for myself, that's one of the big reasons I started my own solo practice was control.
1: Right. So you can have a well-functioning business that is making good money as an expert, but you're not yet an authority.
0: Yes, absolutely. And there will be people who never want to become authorities who say, you know what, I'm not interested in writing about this. I'm not interested in being on podiums. I just want to do my thing. And you absolutely can do that if you've positioned yourself appropriately, right? So that you're attracting the right clients. And if you are regularly making sure that you're you're building your pipeline of future work. Cause sometimes what happens when people first leave corporate is they get two or three assignments and they're a hundred percent focused on that. And then when they're done, it's crickets. There's nothing else in the pipeline. So as long as you build the pipeline, absolutely, one does not have to become an authority to be successful in in the expertise world.
1: All right. So then what do experts seek when they want authority that they're not already getting if they have a well-functioning business as an expert?
0: It's usually pipeline it's usually pipeline they want they want to have more things I hate to call them deals but more opportunities in the pipeline so that they're not always having to go out and sell so and when I say pipeline it's having those opportunities there and it's also not having to putting sell in quote marks sell the way we tend to think of selling which is convincing someone to buy us so they don't want to do that that's the most common. Thing that I see when people come to me, the second, which might be true of some of your audience, is where there's a mission, and yeah, they'd like to make money from the mission, but the the first thing is the mission, and that might be someone who perhaps says has retired in the sense that they have an income, and they've said, you know what, what I really want to do is I want to work more on X an issue, a population, whatever that is. It's not a non for profit but it's mission-driven first. So those are the two things I, t- I tend to see.
1: And what are some of the patterns that you've seen in experts that successfully become authorities?
0: Okay, so the first thing, you know, I write about this a lot in the book. I think of it as three things, right? You have to position yourself, in particular, and your business, right, so that you're you've got the right positioning for the messaging that you're putting together. think you have to monetize your business, and by that, I just mean you have to have the right mix of services and products at the right prices, so that you can attract the clients that you want, and you can take care of yourself, whatever that looks like. You can build a $100,000 business. You could build a million dollar business. It's monetizing the expertise that you do have. And then the third piece is selling. And I use selling in a very broad way in the sense that selling is also about letting people know that you exist and that you have a point of view. And so selling is about publishing. And that's the single biggest difference. So if I'm kind of got my head down and I'm working on my business and I'm, I've got clients and everything is fine, when I want authority, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start publishing because that's how I'm going to build an audience. And publishing can be you know, traditional in the sense of something written. And uh, written is especially good for experts because it's an easy way for us to understand what you're saying and to react. And it can also be speaking, but it doesn't have to be speaking at conferences, which of course took a nosedive over the last two or three years. But it can also mean things like hosting a podcast or being a guest on a podcast where people can hear your voice and how you think about the things that are important. So it's, I think of it as becoming visible. Is that first step where you become willing to take a stand for what you believe in, the unique tenets of your consultancy, your belief system, and you start committing those to the public space? And almost the second you do that, even if the audience, you have an audience of one, like your mother or your kids, the second you do that, you start to invite comments and reactions. And so what happens is your point of view gets tighter. And when other people, your ideal clients and buyers buy into your worldview, they start spreading it for you.
1: When you're selling your authority, who is the most important sales target, particularly initially?
0: Well, I think ideal clients and buyers. That's how I I would approach it. Later... Then we can talk about you know an authority circle, which are people... And when I say influencers, I don't mean like social media influencers. I mean people who influence your clients and buyers to do the kinds of things you want them to do. So you start, and I'll always argue, start with an email list. It's really simple, and it's the one thing that you own. Like You can create an amazing space on LinkedIn, for example, but if LinkedIn decides they don't like you anymore... Uh, that can cause you a problem. So start with email, start building a list, have a, an approach to build that list and start writing about or or you could video too. I have clients who've done video because they, you know, they didn't particularly care to write. So pick the medium whether that's that's written, video, audio or even better still mix them up and s- just start publishing. Just start. That's the key.
1: Yeah, is there a frequency that you recommend? sending stuff out by email?
0: Well, it really depends on your audience.
1: That's a question I hear a lot.
0: I know, and it's funny, I just had a had a discussion recently with my podcast co-host about daily emails versus non-daily emails. It really depends on you and your audience. Generally speaking, you're gonna want to hit them at least once a month. I have a client who does that religiously and has very good success with a very small email list, but that's a particular audience. There are others I would say generally weekly is good if only because it's helping you have a deadline and have some regularity touching your audience. Still, it's better to do something that's half-baked than nothing. And I'm going to say that one more time. It's better to do something half-baked than nothing. And here's why, because you might say, oh, well, if I'm going to be an authority, everything has to be perfect. But the problem is it never is perfect and it needs to hit your audience. And so I'd rather encourage somebody to experiment than to do nothing. And what's interesting is sometimes the one that you worry about the most and it's like you your finger hovers over the send button because you're convinced people are not going to like it and they're going to you know hit back at you on something those are usually the ones that are that people go wow this is really great i love this so experimenting with how you express your point of view in any of those three uh, mediums is really critical to start building that muscle of becoming an
1: authority so what's an example of something where the sender may have been hesitant to hit the send button that actually created this kind of groundswell of reaction that you just described.
0: Well, if I can tell a story about myself this time, because it it was interesting. I mean, I, I advise people to do this all the time, and I think it's important that we take our own medicine. So I developed a program called Soloist Women, and I had no idea how many women there really were in my audience. I wasn't really sure. I'd never developed a product or a service that was gender specific. And I just had this fear that because in in our profession, it's generally about 70% male, 30% female. And my clientele was heavily male. And I thought, okay, what's going to happen when I put this out is I'm going to have this whole slew of people who are going to unsubscribe and that's it. My business is over. My life is over. I mean, that's the kind of things that we go through our head. And when I finally hit the send button, not only did that not happen, I had a couple of people say, oh, please unsubscribe me from this. But it was the opposite. It was, it got to both the people that it was targeted for, soloist women, but also a number of soloist men who said, yeah, you know, I have the same issue. Keep me on the list. So I don't know that I would call it a groundswell, but it was one of those things where I made it to be such a horrible thing in my head that I was taking this big risk and I had fear around it and. But there was no reason. There was no reason to have it at all. But that's the kind of thing that we have to get over. And I'm always going to argue that as uh, authority builders, let's call it that, because I don't want to feel like somebody sees this as like the mountain peak and you have to get to the mountain. It's that we're all building authority all the time. And in order to keep doing that, we have to keep experimenting with taking risk. And it's not all going to go well.
1: Right. So, when is an example when you may have tried something that didn't go so well?
0: Oh, gosh, there are a lot of those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you set yourself up for this.
0: I know I did. I really did. As I said that, uh, well, I'll give you an example. I came up with, it wasn't just one email. It was a series, but I violated the cardinal rule, which I will never violate again. About uh, About eight years ago, I think I designed this program and it was basically to, so that people could get what I would do one-on-one with clients in a group setting. And I put everything in that program. I love this thing. I had like 35 videos. I had transcripts. I had this whole thing. I built this, this Mecca and I had like three people buy it. And I was hoping to get like 50 I thought would be good the first time out. I had three people buy it and I went, Ugh. and um Yeah. That was not great. And when I played with it and I ran it a second time because I thought, well, I've put all this effort into it, I, you know, I'm just gonna try selling it differently. Let me play with this and see what I can do. Crickets. Absolute crickets. So yeah, yeah, that was that was not pretty. I was not happy. And um, I learned from the experience, but I am glad I experimented. It taught me a very valuable lesson that apparently I needed to learn, which is. Uh, do your research before you design a program and give your audience what they want to buy. As long as you know it matches up with your zone of genius and how you want to deliver. Right. Ask your audience and listen.
1: So Rochelle, those are actually two great examples. And I'm wondering what was going through your mind right before you hit the send button in both of those cases that enabled you to actually hit the send button. In one case, you had this, great result. In the other case, you had something that was a l- little disappointing, shall we say?
0: Yeah. Well, the the disappointing one, and it was a lot disappointing, what made me press the button there was all the investment I'd made. And I don't mean just monetary. I mean, my psyche was in that. I Like my... I was wrapped up in my ego was wrapped up in that. So I, I had to press the button. How could I have worked on this for, you know, two and a half months almost solid and not press the button? So it was that pressure to press the button. On the one that went well, it actually, I mean it it wasn't very hard to press the button. I mean, I what I said was true. All those things went through my head, but it, I had also done a heck of a lot of research. I had had uh, 13 individual calls with people in the space. They, I was getting the same message over and over again. I even got feedback that my price was too low, so I raised the price. So there was a part of me, and, and when I finally hit the button, what I said was, if there's a lot of people who don't like it, that's okay as long as the people I've designed this for do. And even if they didn't buy it, I wanted them to have a positive reaction. I wanted them to say, yeah, you know, I'm not ready for this because I had an income requirement, but I'm ready for the next one. So it was easier to hit the button on the second one, but I didn't feel like I had to the way that I did on the first one.
1: Rochelle, how long does it take to build a financially viable authority business?
0: Oh, good question. I think a lot of it depends on what you come in with. And I'll give you a couple of examples. I've had clients where it's almost immediate. And the reason I say almost immediate is they... Lined up a bunch of things for themselves. They had thought about it. They thought about consulting. They had lined up potential clients. Maybe they had consulted a little bit at some point in their career, or they operated their corporate job like a consultant. There are a lot of people that do that. And. When I say immediate, it's immediate in the sense that they're making money. It's not the business of their dreams yet, but they've started and they've made money. I worked with someone recently who struggled for almost three years and we worked together to better position what he was doing. But this is someone who already was an authority. And this that's what was so interesting. He had built a lot of authority, but he had not monetized it in a way that made sense. And it turned on a dime. It was about. Well, I shouldn't say a dime. I didn't, I'm sure it didn't feel like a dime to him. It was about six months in total. But part of that was that they had to get used to saying the message in a different way and not gulping at the price, the price that, that they now were requiring from clients. And that, incidentally, that's a person who probably could break a million dollars in a solo consulting business without leverage. And that's pretty rare. And when I say leverage, I mean, either you're selling products that you don't have to actually deliver yourself or you're hiring employees to deliver services.
1: Yeah. Rochelle, are there elements of your business model that are common for authority businesses um, and not common for expert businesses? Like when you go from expert to authority, are there elements of your business model itself that are likely to be new?
0: I think the biggest difference is just that, you know, you hear people say you need to work on the business is that that's built into my day. It's baked into everything that I, my clients and anybody you'll encounter who's an authority, they've baked it into their business. And by that, I mean that you're writing, you're thinking, you're speaking, you're connecting with influencers in the sense of people who influence your business ideal audience. And so you are spending, if not a portion of every day, then certainly a hefty portion of every week thinking about those things and working on those things. That's the the biggest difference.
1: Okay. And, And when you say thinking about or actively doing those things, are you talking about time that you're not getting paid by clients? Yes.
0: Yes. I mean, you really have to carve out some time you can't do it without carving out the time to invest in building authority and it you can design it a lot of different ways so it can take the least amount of time possible to get the maximum result but it is it there is time that one must spend developing authority the beauty of it is once you get to a certain point There are lots of ways you can leverage authority and then it gets easier. I think it feels hardest at the beginning because we're so conditioned to, oh, I have to spend my time. I have to bill my time, especially if you're billing by the hour, because every hour has a a dollar value on it when you look at it that way. When you start to think about yourself as building authority, it's less about how much you're getting in that hour, but how much you're building for the future and where you want to take your business.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Rochelle, we have covered a lot of territory in a short amount of time. We could go on a lot longer, but I want to recognize that um, people can also get in touch with you directly to access some material you have, get a copy of your book and get in touch with you if they're interested. Where would be the best place for them to go? and, And is there something special that you wanted to mention with regard to this episode?
0: Uh, Yeah. So the best place to go is my website, which is RochelleMoulton.com. There's a ton of free resources and downloads there. There's links to social media. And I've also put up the description of my soloist women mastermind, and I'm starting the next one in September. So if that's something of interest, check it out. And uh, and you can reach me by email through there.
1: Great. Well, Rochelle, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest has been Rochelle Moulton, who turns independent consultants into authorities. Thank you again, Rochelle, for joining us.
0: Thanks so much, David. I really appreciate it.
1: When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Rochelle Moulton, we learned how to go from expertise to authority, along with big financial benefits. Are you building your consulting, coaching, or small business following a long career as an employed professional? Are you tired of trying to build your business alone? Come meet other consultants, coaches, and small business owners on Friday, August 26th at 12 noon Eastern Time. We're having an open house so that you can experience a bit of what we do in the Smashing the Plateau community. You'll have an opportunity to think more critically about your work, meet colleagues who want to support your success, and learn how a curated community can help empower you to make progress toward your goals. To register for the open house, go to smashingtheplateau.com slash open house. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash open house. At Smashing the Plateau, our mission is empowering high-achieving professionals to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. As entrepreneurs, I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.